This is Miller's Edge on Tide And EA Sports says college football 25 will be released this summer with a full reveal in May. It's the first iteration of the video game in 11 years. This is the Miller's Edge with Christian Miller, two-time national champion and team captain for the Alabama Crimson Tide and former Carolina Panther and his father, Corey Miller, the pastor of pain, a nine-year NFL veteran with the New York Giants and University of South Carolina Hall of Famer. This is the Miller's Edge. And baby, I know Coming back, this is our song on a Darius Rucker Thursday edition of the Miller's Edge. Miller, the pastor of pain, Christian Miller, Noah, is in there behind the glass. We got you for the next two hours to get you rocking and rolling. An afternoon of some good college sports, football, I wouldn't say just football, but the fact is we got so many things happening in the wide world of sports, especially there in Tuscaloosa that we'll get into on uh, today. So hope you're ready to rock and roll, 205-342-9904. You know the drill. Call that number if you want to chat with us or download that free app. It's tied, 100.9. It's absolutely free. Talk to, to the app. Noah will talk for you. Thoughts, comments, questions, we got you covered right here on the Miller's Edge, sponsored by our good friends at the Good Feet Store, America's arch support experts. See Douglas and the gang, the good people over there at Midtown Village will take care of you. Good opportunity to get uh, the orthotics or inserts and they will make you feel a lot better. Trust us, we'll tell you with uh, any nagging injuries, knee pain, back pain, hip pain, all that type of stuff. Help you walk and help you balance all of that good stuff. It's try before you buy, two feet at a time. They will get you ready to rock and roll. But we do appreciate those folks uh, taking care of us. Also, our good friends at r and Cigars, 2703 6th Street, Reagan and Randy. The Steiners are really good people. Got the great, great, great lounge. I mean, flat screen TVs, you got recliners, you got the bar, I call it the bourbon bar, but they got everything in between bourbon, the best in all of the southeast, and the mansion is ready to rock and roll, the weather's nice, the sun is out, I mean, you go on the porch outside, they got you covered, TV's there, nice seating out there, they, they bring you, you, you know, your drinks, whatever, your cigar, cut them, light them, they do it all for you, and if you're not in Tuscaloosa, don't forget, you need good cigars, go online. R&RCigars.com. It's www.R&RCigars.com. And uh, you can order right there. And uh, they're shipping for free. Just use that code word, Miller's Edge. All right, Christian Miller and the boys are hanging out in Tuscaloosa. Guys, a lot uh, to talk about today. Of course, we'll continue to talk about the football team and the direction in which Kalen DeBoer is heading with the staff. And at spring break is now two and a half weeks that's spring, spring break. Well, that's true, too. But spring football is about two and a half weeks away. We'll talk about that. 
I do want to throw a question out there, though, and it's not pertaining to Alabama. But it's pertaining to football or college football. I don't understand why head coaches are leaving their head coaching post without being fired. Chip Kelly, UCLA, goes to Ohio State. Now I'm a good friend. Sean Elliott was the head coach at Georgia State. He was the interim coach at the University of South Carolina. Now I'm going back to South Carolina to be the tight ends coach slash run game coordinator. It normally is people and coaches, I should say, work their behinds off to climb that coaching tree or coaching tree ladder, whatever, however you want to say it. They want to become a head coach. That's a dream. That's what they want to do. But now, they'll leave that job once they get it. And maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be. Maybe it's too much. They turn around and flip the script and say, hey, my buddy got a job opening. I can go to a better school, bigger school, bigger crowd, bigger conference, and might be able, in Sean Ellis' case, I'm thinking he made probably $100 million, about $1 million, right? He might make that or more being a position coach without the responsibilities. So I'm asking you the question, why is it? Maybe you know more than me with the situation. It makes zero sense. We're going to talk about that. And, and my thing is, it's because of the landscape of college football. It's what it is right now. It's NIL. It's transfer portal. It's all of that drama and more, which is why coaches are leaving their posts as head coaches. Or they're doing what Ryan Grubb just did to Alabama and said, you know what? This is Alabama. This is the greatest program in the last two decades, arguably. Right? Why wouldn't I want to go to a school like that? Got all the resources. It's in the best conference. You're on big, big time TV every week. And you said, you know what? Nah, I'm going to take my talents to, uh, back to Seattle, Washington. Me and Boo going to lay right up there where we at. Let me do this thing right here. This is the reason. Transfer portal, NIL, and all of the mess that college football is in right now. We'll discuss that. Uh, we got them in the program. And at 1 o'clock, Stephen M. Smith. We'll talk all things Alabama with him coming up in less than one hour. Real quickly, though, sad note. Um, Kansas City, Missouri, the Chiefs, two in a row back-to-back Super Bowl champions, having their parade. Everybody's happy. Who knows, hundreds of thousands. I think I was doing radio in Charlotte yesterday. Uh, they were telling me that there were like a million million people at the parade on last season. Um, so who knows how many was there. But a shooting uh, started, one dead, 20-plus people hurt. So, uh, <laughs> man, unbelievable. Just unbelievable. What is this world coming to? I mean, do you not even go celebrate with your teams now? Do you not? Just, I don't know. I don't like crowds. I definitely don't like those types of crowds. But if I was a player, obviously I'm going to be on the, the float, throwing out some uh, chocolate candies and having a good time doing what some of the guy, one of the guys did yesterday, running down the street with his shirt off, shoes off, and a bottle of liquor. Classy. I mean, come on, dude. But, um, but so sad that we live in a world where you cannot go and enjoy yourself and celebrate 
an accomplishment of an athletic team. And there's some two guys who were arrested. Thank God for the Patriots, the, the, the patriotic, just the, the wherewithal to go tackle a guy who put their lives in harm's way to help the police get on the, get the man on the ground. They were arrested. I mean, it's just, I'm sick of hearing of, the, hearing of this stuff, man. I mean, Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, Joel Osteen Church, a lady with a, what, seven-year-old kid walks into the church with a trench coat on, starts shooting. I mean, she gets killed, and I think the kid is, is in serious condition, shot in the head. I mean, thank God that it was uh, not more than that. It just This stuff to me is just uh, just unbelievable, what the world we live in. I hate this kind of started with that, but, but man, that bothers me. It's just sad. It's just, you know, just this stuff should not happen. I mean, I, I, I grew up in a world where we never heard of this stuff, but now it's every week. Every week, it's a school, it's a church, it's an athletic event, it's, it's something, and um, and it needs to stop. It just absolutely needs to stop. So that being said, guys, welcome in. I hate to, to throw it to you after that, but just uh, just sad. Our prayers are definitely with these folks, and um, pray that they can figure things out. But it's just just unfortunate that you can't, you know, go out in peace and be able to celebrate and do things like this. And people, everybody's getting along, getting together, and then boom, here you go. Somebody just decided they're going to go shoot up people. Just innocent people. Um, well, it's, I, dem- I think it's demonic it, and it's just wrong. Well, I think from what I've read, I, I think it was some type of altercation that um, that transpired at the parade. And um, there's a dispute with several people. Then, unfortunately, you know, gunshots started, you know, ringing out and, I think a lot of people, uh, just innocent people, were in the way. I mean, I, I don't understand why everything always has to result, you know, result in gun violence, right? You know what I mean? Like, it, if you're having a dispute or whatever the case is, you know, what I mean, if you want to handle it like man, you want to, you want to fight it out. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not urging that either, but at least you're not using weapon and weapons and you know, taking the life of an innocent mother and you know, injuring 20 plus other people. I mean, the the the, the victims ages were between 8 and 47 years old so I mean it's just just sad a lot of kids yeah it's just sad but they actually apprehended three uh, individuals from this matter two of them were juveniles so two of the suspects that are in custody right now were juveniles Um, I don't think they really released much more information but it's just it's just terrible man it's just sad that yeah I think it says at least why are you packing guns going to a parade yeah, at least eight children among 22 were hit by gunfire. And again, I think from what I read, this was some altercation. There was a dispute, and then you know, it just it it, it just erupted into chaos. And I just right. it's stupid. I mean, like I don't like how do you what do you think is going to happen? Are you firing a gun in a heavily. I mean, just looking at the pictures. I mean, it's just a huge crowd. Like, do you think the bullets just disappear? Like, just stupid, man. And then innocent yeah. people are. Oh, yeah, I don't know, man, but. I don't get the politics of guns and all that stuff. I understand people, especially in the South, love to hunt and all that good stuff, and that's fine. I know you you possess a lot of guns. You like that, you know, but you're responsible. You know what I mean? It's like, but some people just, you know, these youth and these folks that are just using it for for harm is it's just terrible. Well, I mean, I mean but, honestly, there's 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 a number of things you can look at. You can look at the culture of guns, right? The, the culture behind violence. I mean, that's well, the that problem. Too. 
You know what I mean? Like the yes, you know the the accessibility of, of getting them. But the thing is, like, there's a lot of things that are illegal, and people are still going to find a way to, to get their hands on it. I mean, could you make things even more strict? Yeah, sure. But at the end of the day, people are going to find a way, man. And I, I think again, I'm not trying to get political. I, I, I think the, there's issues with you know, the access to them. I think there's issues with the people that are, that are having access to them because they're obviously getting them some way. I mean, again, I just said two juveniles were two, were two of the three suspects that were apprehended, right? I mean, do you think they just went and walked in the gun shop and bought? No, I mean they got the things illegally. So even if yeah, you can buy them on the street, that's all what I'm day, saying. So day. realistically, even if you change a law, I, know, I see a lot of you know we got to change these laws. I don't even think that's the. I mean, sure, maybe that could change a little bit, but still, I think ultimately it's the the people, man, we we have a people problem. There's just so much evil right now. No, people we got a heart to... problem. That's just the heart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, evil the heart. Hearts. The heart of people. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. People are doing senseless things. And they, they don't, unfortunately, man, I just feel like we don't have as much structure as we once had. People would just kind of run wild and do, even outside of just violence. I just feel like nowadays, man, we don't, we don't have, there's a lot less of God in the community. You know what I mean? And there's a lot less structure and people just... Yep. I don't know if they just, I don't think they take things serious. I don't think they really think about their actions anymore. Like well, they the don't care. I mean, the, the problem care. is they don't care. Um, and they have no regard, sorry about that, they have no regard to life, for life. Right. And they just don't care. I mean, the fact that you would open up, uh, you know, start shooting into a crowd of innocent people and kids. I mean, tells me that your heart is rotten to the core you know and um and it's unfortunate that we live in a world that's why i said this world is evil this world is cruel um and unfortunately no politician no president no they're not they can talk about any other thing and i'll say this and we're going to move on they can talk about anything you want to talk about with politics with rules with amendments but listen, you know what's going to change? Nothing. Change comes from the heart. When people think about God and what God instructed and what God says good, right, and true, that's when the world changes. We didn't have this stuff before because people was founded on faith. People built their families around faith, right? We didn't have no money. We were broke. My mom, we had, there were 11 of us, right? But God provided. My dad honestly worked. Hard. Fell asleep in the car before getting in the house sometimes. Tired. But he did it. Why? Because God provided the way. Wasn't easy. Wasn't easy. But he provided and he was able to instill structure in his kids, who, by the way, all 11 of them kids in a butt, booty, bone, poor neighborhood are doing pretty daggum great. From teachers to preachers, not just me, and three or four of us, I think, are ordained in my family. Right? School teachers, coaches, lawyers, they did it. It's possible. But because the, the, the foundation was built the right way, just like the Bible says, if your foundation is built on sand, it's going to crumble. It's going to get washed away. It's going to get blown away by every type of wind, every type of blowing. But when it's built on a rock, it stands against any kind of thing. And people got to get back at the foundation of faith that knows that it's going to stand. I don't care who's in office because the one that stays in office that people have forgot about is called G-O-D, God, who still sits on the throne. When we come back, we'll talk about these coaches leaving 
the big post as head coach, going to be a tight ends coach, a position that we said, are you kidding me? That they give it to the lowest of the lowest in coaching. Now, why? What's going on with college football? Are we losing it? Is it going to, going away? I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. I want to discuss this after this break. Take a time out. We'll be back to Miller's Edge right here on the Tide. 100.9, 1230 AM WTBC. At Birmingham Racecourse Casino, where you can be a winner too. Birmingham Racecourse Casino off I-459, exit 31, Derby Parkway. Must be 21 or older. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very nice afternoon, a sunny sky. The high today, 67. Tonight, fair with a low at 46. We stay dry during the day tomorrow, partly sunny, but then a chance of some light rain tomorrow night. The high tomorrow at 68 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. 365, 24-7. You'll find road and utility crews, tow trucks, law enforcement, and first responders working along Alabama's roadway. We're making improvements and helping our communities stay connected. We're working hard to make sure you're safe on the road. Now we need your help to make sure we're safe, too. Alabama's move over law requires you to move over a lane when you see flashing lights on the roadside. And if you can't safely move over, please slow down. Visit drivesafealabama.org. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Transportation, Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this station. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. This ain't Texas. Ain't no hold'em. They are caught down, 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 down. So pocket Lexus and throw your keys up. Stick around, round, round. Damned if I can't slow dance with you. Come pour some sugar on me, honey, too. It's a real live boogie and a real live hold down. Don't be a b- Come take it to the floor now. Woo! There's a tornado. Welcome back to the middle of the edge. We're going to type 100.9. Like that song. Pretty cool right Beyonce there. went country, man. She's yeah, I like it. I mean, when you're versatile, man, you can do that. Darius Rucker Rouse. He's trying to go country. Yeah, where'd you find that at, Noah? Dude, it's like all over yeah, social media new. right came now. Out this week. I just heard about it. I, I, I'm still, I've never heard it. It's kind of look. It's it's growing on me. I guess it's just interesting. I I just think it's funny how like all these people used to make fun of country music and you know you know it used to be country music at least like you know culturally like this was some of these younger folks who used to make fun of it and stuff and now it's kind of like. The newer thing, I feel like. You well, know, because more better, rappers, even some, some country, country people are not going to like that, though, because there's that, they're, they're that group of like country that, that likes the, <laughs> you know, the Willie Nelson, the old country. They not, they don't like the Darius Rucker. They don't like the the new country. They, nah, they, I don't they, think they, they, they mind Darius the Rucker. I think it's more like the pop country. They, they're not huge well, fans. It's pop, well, I would consider Darius pop country. Yeah, but I mean, but he might not be as, like, like uh, Florida Georgia line. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're not too big on that versus some of the classic country. Though, to be fair, I mean, Beyonce was out here making, like, country music with Lemonade. Like, she had the whole, like, uh, country western type music. Really? Uh, yeah, she had that Daddy Lesson song. I'll play it later in the show. Okay. Yeah, about, play that. I need I to hear that say, because I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to hit that download on that because that sounds pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, yeah, because I like new stuff. You know what I mean? Like, Christian people, like, I'll be bumping my music and, you know, they might think I'm, like, just that straight ghetto hood. When I pull up to the gas pump, but I'm I'm popping, you know, Christian rap, man. You know, I'm hitting some Lecrae. I'm I'm hitting some some all kinds of stuff, man. That sounds so good, but it's rapping about Jesus and the kingdom. 
you know, so you get a little extra, oh, to get your little, get your jiggy with it, you know what I mean? So, so we'll talk about that a little bit more the next break when Noah hit us with some more new, uh, country. Um, guys, coaches, head coaches leaving to be assistant coaches. It seemed to be a new thing happening, uh, this year, going to take other jobs. We got Ryan Grubb, he didn't even, didn't even get into the spring. Didn't get into the spring. He didn't get a head job, but he left, right? You got Chip Kelly, known head coach, coach of the pros. So, you know, at UCLA, which is a very prominent program, I know football is not, hadn't been their thing. We laughed and joked a little bit about the fans, the kids, the students having to drive, drive 45 minutes to go to the games. But he leaves to go to, to be an OC at Ohio State, right? And then today, my good friend Sean Elliott, who was the interim coach, I know Sean very well. He's from this area, grew up in this area, about 25 miles, a little bit north of here, Camden, South Carolina. Uh, was interim coach when Steve Spurrier stepped down, did a good job, I thought. Um, went to Georgia State, I thought done a pretty good job, won four out of five bowl games, I believe, 41 and 44. The overall record is not that good, but he had some good years down there uh, at Georgia State. Says, you know what? A job opening happening. I can tell you this. Last week, I'm at a um, at a celebration for the signees at Shane Beamer's event. I see Justin Stepp, who was the receivers coach, right? I called it demoted because Shane Beamer brought in the kids from the guy from A&M who's been an office coordinator, well-respected coach. They move uh, Justin Stepp, the tight end coach that was vacated by the kid that was at Alabama who was a tight end coach. I'm drawing a blank. Christian, that's now at... Uh, uh, what's his name? I'll think of it in a minute. You said anyway, he's a tight end coach. He was at South Carolina, but he was at Alabama too. Jody, uh, oh, Jody Wright. Wright. Jody Wright, yeah. So he leads to become a head coach, which that's the way it normally works, right? A guy that wants to be a head coach, leaves a big program, go to a smaller program, becomes a head coach. That's what Jody Wright did, right? Looks, seems to be very happy. Well, they moved Justin Stepp, who also is from South Carolina, from Columbia, South Carolina, was like his dream job to coach here. Shane moves him to tight end. I seen them last week uh, at this event. And as they introduced the coaches, he was like the last coach to be introduced, not by design, just kind of where they were sitting. But you could just tell I knew that something was not right with him. He wasn't right. And, and me and my buddy was talking about it. But then the next day we hear that, hey, he's going to, to Illinois. And he's going to, uh, Benema, who was at Wisconsin, who I think Justin was there with him for a couple of years. So he's gone. So now this job comes open and then boom. Here we go. Sean Ellis says, I'm out. Now here's the thing. They already just started spring practice. So now Georgia State has just put spring practice postpones it. I mean, so you leave your program that you recruits and all of this stuff to go be a tight ends coach slash run game coordinator because they give you the titles because the reason why they don't actually mean anything. We can look at it with Freddie Roach, right? The associate head coach or assistant head coach so they can give you extended years and more money. That's why they add titles to these positions. And so, so he leaves that, comes back to Columbia, which is, we call it home for him. And, and just say, you know what, I'm out. Peace. I've had enough. So the question is, why? Because what we're dealing with 
in the NIL and the transfer portal. I think it's extremely hard. I think it's regardless of what Nick Saban says. He talked about the grind and he worked harder than he's ever worked, blah, 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 blah. But I am convinced that Nick Saban was sick and tired of what college football has and is becoming. And I think coaches are saying, you know what, uh, and I use the word chapsticking a lot lately, because you have to chapstick young kids. If you want to win, if you want to be successful, you have to chapstick young kids to get them to come to your program. Then you got to chapstick them even more so you got to retube or relube your lips so to keep them there. That other people don't come in and poach and get them. Or you coach them too hard. Or, I mean, that's what college football is. It's not what I've, I've known to, uh, grown to know. It's not what Christian even just a short time ago, what he knew. It's changed so much, guys. And, I, and a lot of you are going to see it from the outside in. We're telling you from the inside out. This is ridiculous. I've talked to so many coaches. And they said, Corey, man, listen. Bro, we can't, we can't coach these, these kids no more. We can't say what we want to say anymore. We can't cuss them. We can't, you know, we can't do it. It's like they're at the mercy of the kid. Because if we don't treat the kid the way he thinks he should be treated or talk to him the way he thinks that he's supposed to be talked to, they're out of 5,000, which means they leave. So what do you expect from these coaches now? And some guys are just saying, I don't even want the head coach responsibility anymore. Because it's not leading a group of men. It's not teaching a group of men anymore. It's all the external factors that goes into it that they don't want to do. And if they're doing it, they're going to get burnt out. And I'm convinced, Christian, that Nick Saban said, you know what? I told you this is going to happen. I told you it's going to be the Wild Wild West. I told you if you didn't have any guardrails slash parameters with this whole thing with players getting paid, it's going to be ugly. And at this point, I'm 70-plus years old. Why am I going to kill myself dealing with 16 to 22-year-olds? Why put myself in this position where I done did what I needed to do. Six national championships at Alabama, championships at Alabama, one at LSU. I got seven. And nobody's going to be able to touch that, especially now. The way college football is, nobody's going to be able to touch that. And an old school guy like Saban who clapped to him because he did adjust. He adjusted his offense. He changed his offense before he had to even change. He changed his defense. Even I remember with Christian, the whole thing he and I, we talked about ad nauseum was the play of outside linebacker and the change where when I played Sam and now they call it an edge and now offense is going fast. You know, Nick Saban didn't like fast play tempo, not getting able to switch personnel, not getting able, being able to set up. You know, Nick Saban had, we talked about those things a lot. But now he needed a guy like Christian. His selling point was with Christian, who Christian was always concerned about his weight. He'll tell you this. And looking at Alabama's roster, these guys are 260 and Denzel and all them backers was huge. Christian was 205 soaking wet. 
And Nick was like, don't worry about that because this is why this is why you one of my main guys. You one of my main targets. You long, you got a foot wingspan, you run, you can sack the quarterback. Right, we're going to get you the strength. We're going to get you the weight. And we don't need you to be that big. That's why we're changing because these guys, if you look at the tape and go back and look at it, what do you say? They can't run. Now, they can play in the box. They can two-gap you, but, boy, they can't run. And when A&M put that thing on them and, and uh, Bryant Denny, we were there. Remember that, Christian? That was like Nick Saban saying, uh-oh, it's time to change. So mm. your thoughts, Christian, on why you think. I mean, those are my, I mean, it makes me mad. I mean, I, I think it's a win for South Carolina to get a Sean Elliott here. But, man, it pees me off that you just, you just outified those kids that you've been in the living rooms in the house and just because, you know, for whatever reason, you just bolt to, to basically take, I call it a demotion. I know it's the SEC schools, University of South Carolina, but to become a head coach, a tight end coach, but that is like the lowest you can go. It's almost like you go from that and being out there with Sid holding the Gatorade Cup from Nick Saban. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that, that's quite. The, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure they got their reasons. We got to hit the break real quick. I'll come when we come back. I'll give my thoughts kind of on these coaches making these chase, changes. Uh, I guess you can call it demoting themselves, uh, so to speak. Before we do that, I want to remind you guys about our good friends over at Alumni Hall. Remember, Alumni Hall is the official spot for the latest and greatest Alabama Crimson Tide apparel. You've got all the events coming up. You've got baseball this weekend. You've got basketball this weekend. I think you've got gymnastics coming up, maybe next week. I don't know, but you got all types of Alabama events coming up. So make sure you've got all your apparel ready for all those hoodies, jerseys, hats. They got it all right there at Alumni Hall in Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa. If you're not local, no worries. You can always go to alumnihall.com and shop for the latest and greatest officially licensed products. Again, that's alumnihall.com with the ultimate Crimson Tide fan shop. Take a quick time out and be right back. You're listening to the Tide 100.9, AM WTBC. Hunter Johnson. It's the Tide Basketball Post Game Show brought to you by Pritchett Moore Insurance, Tuscaloosa's best choice for business and personal insurance for 90 years. Are you receiving unemployment? Your benefits could be at risk. Here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits. Never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name. Never answer a text message asking you to verify your account. And only respond to official Alabama Department of Labor's social media pages. Report fraud at labor.alabama.gov slash fraud. Brought to you. Download BetU for iOS on the App Store today. Learn more about BetU by visiting their website, betu.us. That's bet, the letter U, dot U-S. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Thursday edition of the Right here on Tide 100.9, 12.30 a.m. WTBC. Noah, that was the other country song she's done? Well, so this one is uh, this is a throwback. This is 2016 off, oh, of, really? off of the Lemonade album. So she's, uh, it's not. Uh, so it's not the first time. It's not the first time she's done something like this. But, yeah, I'll play it la- later. You, you know, the difference is, I guess, TikTok wasn't a thing back then. So it didn't really, you know what I mean? I think now TikTok, people use the sounds. I feel like that's, that, that's how you blow songs up is by just having it, you know, posted and posted uh, on social media. So maybe that's what it is. But, um, no, so we're talking about, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about coaches leaving uh, head coaching jobs and then pretty much, I guess, demoting themselves, uh, so to speak. 
And the latest is Sean Elliott. My dad has been talking about former South Carolina coach. I think he was the offensive line coach previously. Ended up getting the head coaching job at Georgia. Is it Georgia State? Georgia Southern? Um, Georgia State. Georgia State. But then he just, I guess, all of a sudden just took the tight ends job at South Carolina. But here's my thing. Um, you know, I would say this, though. I mean, he's got experience coaching offensive line. I, I wish he would have gave a heads up that he was looking to to get back into SEC football, and maybe we could have hired him as our offensive line coach because we we need one. I feel like he was a pretty decent offensive line coach, um, and maybe I'm just thinking that because he coaches South Carolina. I you know watched them growing up, but um, hey, he's got experience and uh, probably wouldn't have been a bad hire. But no, I I, I don't know why coaches are doing that. I, I know you alluded to it probably having something to do with. The hassle of recruiting NIL. I mean, he's still going to have to recruit at South Carolina as a tight ends coach, but it's just probably not as much of a responsibility. And, uh, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm not sure. If I, I mean, if I had to guess, the pay probably is around the same ballpark, maybe a little bit less as a tight ends coach versus the head coach, just because it was at Georgia's. I keep mixing it up. Georgia State. Um, so yeah. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. That's why I said earlier that you give extra titles, right? Like yeah. associate head coach or run game coordinator. Right. That way you can pay him more to be at least equivalent or more than what he was making. So, I but, mean, but, but, but there's no specific numbers. I'm just saying, I mean, I'd imagine a head coach, even at Georgia State, is, is probably... I he mean, probably they, made $800,000. Yeah, so they can probably get around that by giving him those titles. You're right. I mean, and speaking of that, I might as well go ahead and segue because... I'll be honest. I, I, other than that, I don't. I don't really know what to say. I mean, Chip Kelly. Maybe he's just like hell. I'm not gonna. It's gonna be hard as hell for me to win here at UCLA, right? Why not just go and be an offensive coordinator for Ohio State? Who, who you said yesterday? I guess on Twitter, you think they might win the national championship this upcoming yeah. year? Looking at their schedule, I mean, they're they're for damn sure going to be in the college football playoffs. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> why not go be an offensive coordinator at a program like that? You know. Say they do win a national championship or at least play in the game, he'll probably be back on the radar for another head coaching job. But the thing was, UCLA wasn't a bad job. I mean, yeah, it's probably tough to win there, especially with them now being in the Big Ten. Um, but I, I yeah, I, dude, I don't know, man. I, it's, just, it's tough to say. That one kind of made sense. I'll give you an all right. Mo Linguist was the head coach at Buffalo that came here. He left a head coaching job, but to me, I mean, this is setting him up to to maybe land another another gig elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like that, that to me, uh, his position here at the University of Alabama, I can I can reason with him for leaving a head coaching job and, and taking that spot. To me, that that I can understand that, right? Um, Kane Womack, right? I mean, he he left South Alabama to come here. Him being the defensive coordinator here is almost like a stepping stone for him to earn an even bigger head coaching job. The coaching job, if we're being honest with you. Plus, I mean, he, he he brought his guy who's like an assistant to him. I mean, and from what I'm understanding, you know, Coach DeBoer kind of lets his guys kind of do things how they need to do it. He lets them do their job. And so even though he's not a head coach, Kane Womack, that is, I mean, I feel like he's got enough. Uh, him running the defense here is, is, is a lot of uh, – it's a highly touted position, right? He's kind of got his own pull here. So those make sense. The other ones, I don't understand, but – in terms of giving these titles, um, that was some news yesterday. Because I, I don't know, do we officially count these uh, as the the first official uh, like announcements of coaching hires here? Uh, and I'm referring to Robert Gillespie 
and Freddie Roach, who yesterday um, they they basically were announced their their new titles here, um, which I guess we knew Freddie's. Freddie's was updated on his bio on Twitter, but uh, I guess Robert Gillespie's was a little bit new. But long story short, uh, Coach DeBoer came out with a statement. He officially named Freddie Roach as the associate head coach, which, again, I think we, we saw that on Twitter. But Robert Gillespie as the assistant head coach. Um, a lot of people were kind of confused on the differences. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think there's too much of a difference. I was wondering if maybe one means that if there needs to be an interim head coach, that guy is selected to be that that in that role. Um, or he's like the designated interim head coach. I don't know. But like you said, realistically, this is really a, a title that allows them to, to pay them more. Plus, it helps kind of hold on to these guys because if another school wants to come and hire these guys, they got to give them a similar title or role or more. You see what I'm saying? Because a running backs coach, you know, he could go get hired somewhere else. But now that it says running backs coach slash assistant head coach, whoever tries to take him is going to really have to pay up and, and offer a, a title just as big, if not more. So anyway, anyway that's that's kind of, you know, really all that's really going on in the news. I mean, I think that's the right move. Uh, Coach DeBoer said after meeting with both of these guys, it was very clear to me that keeping Freddie and G as part of the staff was going to be important to our success. These guys have great relationships with our players, our outstanding recruiters, and have proven to be some of the best coaches in the country. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's an awesome, awesome move right there. I think those guys are both deserving. I'm, I'm glad Coach DeBoer recognizes uh, the importance of having those guys on staff, and I'm glad that uh, it appears that they're being valued because I, I think those are two key pieces that you have to have around here to help things, you know, keep on rolling. And uh, glad that they uh, got the recognition that they deserve. So good for those two guys. And plus, I, I'll be honest, I think the reason those two guys are first is because they didn't have any really buyouts to, to, to mess with. I think, you know, we talked about it. I said contractually, I think that's why we might be having some issues with some of these announcements. Well, these guys didn't have any buyouts, right? I mean, they're already here. So it makes sense that they're probably the first two. I'm just curious to see kind of, you know, how everything else falls into place. We still need an offensive line coach. Still going to need to replace the tight ends coach. Um, but yeah, I don't have any updates on that either. I haven't heard anything regarding that, but I guess we'll stay on the lookout. Maybe Stephen M. Smith, who's coming up at one, will have some idea on that. But yeah, that's pretty much all I, all I got in terms of the, the coaching staff update. I mean, I, I see there's been a couple other people that, have updated bios and things like that a lot, but it's mostly like support staff. But the, the I will say the nutritionist, uh, she officially updated her bio, so I think that that confirms that uh, Miss Bragg, Amy Bragg, is no longer here, which unfortunate. But you know, knowing her and her success, she'll have no problem, you know, getting another role or whatever she chooses to do. So, yeah, that's what Miss. Mr. Amy. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, we expected those two hires to finally, you know, now that they are etched in stone, so to speak, well, with uh, Gillespie and Roach, I mean, two uh, quality coaches. We, you know, I mean, the recruiter that Roach has been. Now, the question is, if we've been honest, you know, I'm always going to throw an honest question out there, whether you like it or not, is a lot of people, I didn't, not my words, but a lot of Bama fans have said, not sold on his coaching. But it's one of the things you have to weigh if you're Kalen DeBoer because this guy is—he's—he's he's a dog when it comes to recruiting. He's a dog. You can't deny that. Um, he's very instrumental. Was very instrumental on Nick Saban's staff in doing that. Now, 
I do think he can upgrade in coaching. This is my personal opinion. Uh, when you're talking about the defensive line, um, that's one of the areas where I, I think that they have really lacked over the last three years. I think that needs to be upgraded. Now, the system might help. You talked about Kane Womack and the 425 and the swarm and all that good stuff and how these guys are not, not used to playing that style of defense. You know, they translate into that. Uh, that's going to be something that we have to keep an eye on and watch because, you know, it seemed like it's going to be much simpler, which I like. Um, I felt like the defense of Nick Saban was very difficult. I don't know. You just, you don't, but you played in it. But just my, my opinion is it made guys think too much, made them react instead of just going. You know, just 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 lining up and play, knowing where you're going, predetermined movements before the snap. Can we meet middle, though? Let me ask you this, though. Let me just ask you this. Is is there such thing as too simple of a defense, in your opinion? Because I, I, you and everybody else, they, they I, I get that we had a a, a a complex defense with a lot of layers, right? But with that came a lot of versatility in terms of defending things, right? There was... Theoretically, there was nothing we couldn't defend, right? There were so many components to each coverage, to each play, that we could defend virtually anything and everything, right? Simpler is always better. No, I see. I just, but let me, so is, is there such thing as too simple in your opinion? I'll ask you that. Like, like, what if, like, is there anything, like, could, do you ever think, like, if, like, let me, all right, say you're only running, you know, got man coverage here, then you only got, you know, some basic zone coverages. I mean, do you ever worry, like, all right, man, we're so simplified that it's not enough? Yes or no? Uh, sometimes you can't be too simple. Yeah. Okay. But, but here's my, let me just say this. Bruh, if you got, here's the thing with simplicity, with defense as it pertains to football. It gives you the freedom to play loose. There's liberty in it, right? You understand. It takes away the thinking. The thinking has already been done by saying, I know predetermined snap where I'm going to be. So I can just let loose and rip it. The problem that I saw with Nick Saban's defense and you know that we've had these conversations because I know the defense because the underlying comes from Belichick and the Giants and the things that I know. You don't know it like you think you know it. Yes, I do. No, you don't. I know exactly. No, you don't because they know because cover seven is is newer. Y'all didn't have cover seven. Well, we didn't do cover seven, but we called it cover forwards very similar. Similar. So my thing is this. It's, again, verbiage thing. But we didn't have to do all of that because we had dudes. Dude, we had four the, guys. No, y'all didn't have to do that because of the offenses you were playing. Y'all were going. Well, that helped too. But we had I formations. But we did. But yeah, we did that. We did it in trips. We did it when we played the Houston Oilers with with uh, uh, Warren Moon, who was a, a, a no huddle team. Buffalo Jim Kelly, no huddle teams. We totally did it. Different offenses, man. Yeah, but it's the same concept. But my point is, Nick Saban, it made them think. I, I promise you, fans, please call and let me know. Tell me I'm wrong. How many times? And we can go pull it. 
that we saw defenders of Alabama the last three years before the ball was snapped, looking at each other, talking, unsure, out of position, out of run gap fits. Go look at it and tell me the last three years, please somebody document that they were out of position. And they've been teaching this for years. It hasn't changed even since you was there, before you was there. Why are these folks not getting it? Hmm. LSU, Tennessee, cost you a playoff two years ago. Cost you another SEC title two years ago. So to me, complication caused them problems. And I don't know exactly. I wouldn't know once they start with Kane Womack. I promise you that. But I promise it's going to be simpler. It may not be more effective, but I, I don't think you're going to have the mental errors that you saw the defense of Alabama make the last few years. So Nick Saban, if I had a, a put a, a X by something he did defensively, stubborn and not willing to change that defense that gave those five-star athletes chances to do what they can do. I think he hurt the defense. I think he took away from from those guys who can run and jump and strong by not allowing them to play. It's wrong when you ask Will Anderson Jr. to play a, a, a four-eye at 240. Are you kidding me? That's, One a, just that's put, a testament of, of the, the personnel. They didn't feel well, they had Don't just better. put a walk-on in there and just say get truck because that's what was happening. No, okay. Took you, away you're, you're exaggerating. From, he was no, not I'm not. Truck. It took away from who Will Anderson was, and I promise you he'll tell you that. He's not a four-eye guy. And coaches to put players in position to lose is bad coaching. I don't care who it is. But, but, and we but, saw but, a lot of on. that defensively. Yeah. We saw a lot of that defensively nah, but, from but, Alabama. But you're not telling the whole story. You're only telling half of it. They weren't just putting him in a four-eye. He had, they they weren't taking him out. They were running the. They were having him at that that other end spot, and they had Dallas at the the true jack spot. So as, if you play that other end spot, there are going to be formations where he does have to play a four-eye because they're keeping him in the game. Because they felt that he was the best player available, that's why he was there. So he's not the best in the four eye. Did you hear anything I just said? They yeah. feel he's the best player. What available. are he doing the four eye? I didn't. He was not fit for a four eye. I mean, anybody with common sense knows that. But but that means you'd have to you just sub like we used to do. They weren't subbing. They they would rather have because you're going against teams that were fastball teams that tried to not let you sub. But it allowed you to keep guys like him and Dallas on the field. They said, hey, you know, he's not fit to be a four-eye, but he is able to play it. He's capable, right? He's not ideal. He's not a 275-plus-pound guy for the four-eye. But when he is in that true five technique, he's much better than that 275-pound guy. That's what it, That's what I'm saying. So, And people don't understand that. They're just going to say, oh, he was this Pete Golden did this. That's not the whole story. That's what I'm saying. Unless you uh -huh. truly know the defense and don't talk to me unless you actually know. I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying people in general. If you don't know how things work, don't talk to me about, oh, well, Pete this, Pete that, because that's not what it was. You well, they're going to see the overall Pete, but they don't know the intricacies of the defense. And that's but we got to hit a break. We'll talk more about it. Wrap up hour number one. Back in a moment. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show. Join the Martin Houston Show powered by Max Sports for a free-for-all flashback Friday edition of the program. We'll look at a couple key topics that happened throughout the week. We'll also preview 
the Alabama versus Texas A&M basketball game as they unveil the Back to the Future uniforms. We have those conversations and more, and we'll open up the phone lines at 205-342-9904. That's the Alabama One Hotline. It's available with approved credit. PTG Outdoors, open Monday through Friday, 8 till 5, in the old LML Marine location in Northport. Call 333-1605. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very nice afternoon, a sunny sky, the high today 67. Tonight, fair with a low at 46. We stay dry during the day tomorrow, partly sunny, but then a chance of some light rain tomorrow night. The high tomorrow at 68 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 West. Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. There's no fixing me because everybody's already tried. Would you stay? Would you leave? All right, welcome back. Final segment here of hour number one. I'm going to kick it right to my man, the, the DJ extraordinaire. Noah, we got a app message there from. A name like Boss, you got to love that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Boston Hoover says, for this upcoming season, who will be the best defensive lineman for Alabama? Who will be the best? Here it is, Boss. I have not a clue. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now, it's incomplete. We don't even know who the edge guy is going to be. You lose Dallas Turner. Well, wait, 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 wait. We're, not count, we're not counting them. Not counting them. Just do. Well, well I mean, Jaheim Otis, you got Tim Smith. You know, Tim Smith and Otis are the best returning guys, but they're not stat. They're not going to Tim fill up Keenan, a, a stat. Tim Keenan. Tim Keenan. Really playing some good football. Good football, but they're not uh, stat stuffer type dudes. Just based on how Alabama used to play now. In this new defense, they will play a little bit more differently because they will be more one-gap oriented, more than a two-gap oriented, I should say. I think you're going to see guys with predetermined moves, a lot of slants, a lot of getting through the gaps and that type of thing, which may fit them a little better. But the name A guy, I don't know. I'm not going to jump on board with guys, you know, like hasn't played yet. You know, you know me, I'm a believer. Let me see it first. So once I see the spring practicing, I'll probably give you a better idea, boss. But right now, I'm telling you, man, there's nobody. That's, and that's what's different, right, with Alabama. Defensive line used to be the group. You know, everybody talk about DBU and RR, WRU. What about DLU? Alabama used to be the defensive line U for years, especially when you, you're five years, Christian. I mean, every year they stack two, three deep dudes coming from everywhere. Now, but they might have to yell up in the top level of Brian Dennis. Can anybody play D line? I mean, we don't know. Christian, you may have a better answer than me. I mean, you just be stretching stuff, right? I mean, you make it seem like, again, they're good football players, man. Just get, that's, see, that's the problem, though. I, I feel like, and that's exactly like, just do we have elite talent on the defensive line like Quinn Williams, Jonathan Allen? Uh, not in my opinion, no. I don't think we have elite talent at that position, right? I'm just being honest. But we have really good football players, though. That's what I'm saying. You ever tell me, oh, we'll just put a walk in in there or walk on and or do find somebody on? I mean, you, I, 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 I know that it, I could not play. I was strong. I bench pressed over 500 pounds. I squatted 700 pounds. I was one of the strongest players they were. But you put a head up on a 300 on, on, on against. Tuane or Eric Williams all the time in the game, I'm going to lose. Right. And you're not taking advantage of my ability. Yeah, I'm a good player, but if you tell me to do something, 
Right. I'm a plumber, and then you tell me go fix the electricity, and I have nothing. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be a mess. I may be an A one plumber, but I suck as an electrician. But but here's That's the all thing, I'm though. Saying. But 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 it's not like they had him there the whole time. That's what I'm saying. So let me give you an, an example. So like. And that other, so he'd probably he'd be in a five-tech. Say, say they go on a, a series, right? They're in a defensive series. They play eight snaps. Six of those snaps, he's probably in a five-technique, right? Or six-technique that's tight end. Might be two snaps that he's uh, asked to be in, in a four-eye technique, right? And with college football now, you run in a four-eye, again, against 12, 13 personnel, and they're just running the freaking football, fullbacks and trap, counter, power. you damn right that's not easy. But, I'm, but in today's college game, him being a four-eye, like, let's be honest. Like, it's not it's not ideal, but him doing that a couple snaps is it's not the worst thing. And I, I'm just telling you, to me, that's more of a testament that they hadn't had that same level of play amongst the defensive linemen, or else they probably wouldn't have felt the need to do that. But again, part of the reason they were doing that is because you need a lot more speed and athleticism on the field. They wanted more out athleticism on the field. That's why they had Dallas Turner and Will in there at the same time. Versus when I was here, we never did that, right? We never had nickel rabbits, uh, except for like, uh, we game plan one person. I forgot who we were playing. And we kind of, we finally put that in an outside linebacker room where was excited as hell. Cause typically it was always just one of us on the field, unless it was dime rabbits, which was only on third down, right? Then we finally, we, got, we get a package where we were like first and second down, there's two of us on the field. We were licking our chops and we never hardly ever did that, right? They finally started doing that. and But one of the things is if you are going to do that and you're going to run that personnel, you got to have a guy that can do that, right? When I was here, you had guys like like Jonathan Allen who could play a five and be effective. You had a, he could slide down. Hell, he could go all the way down to the nose and be fine if he had to, right? With that being said, it's just different. There's difference in personnel. Uh, but but back to, to Boss's question, I don't know a certain guy. I, I, I believe we have... Uh, a group of just really solid players with some decent depth. Um, do we have anybody that, that's just going to... Yeah, but how do you say that? They haven't played yet. How do I say what? How do I, You got a, great, who, a group that haven't played a down yet. Who hasn't played yet? That's what I, like, You don't know what you're talking about if you just said that. Okay, Not you the got, starting three, but who behind the starting three has played a lot? First of all, there's more than just three. Tim Smith has played plenty of snaps. Jaheim Otis has been playing since the freshman year. Yeah, I'm Tim counting them Keenan the starters. played plenty snaps. Those three starters, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Okay, Damon Payne played snaps last year. Jamarian Latham played snaps last year. You got James Smith, the true freshman, who played snaps last year. That's six guys with playing experience who have all played that are all back. Then you add in LT Overton who has experience. That's seven total guys who are probably only going to be filling two, maybe three spots in the D-line. So tell me how that's not depth. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't think. Okay, you're but that wasn't a question. He didn't ask you about depth. You just made he a comment me. about it. And I was telling you that you were. I'm wrong. just saying I'm the three that I know that played the most was the first three that you said that we got the most history with. The other ones we don't know about over. He ain't played it down yet here in Tuscaloosa. But he played so, at Texas A&M in the I SEC. I know, but we got so to see him got play it, He's got experience. How did he do last year? Was he, was he great? I didn't say he was great, but he has experience. Damon Payne played something, but that's what I'm saying. Just because, like, all right, so what if somebody did that to me? When I was here, I had to wait my turn. I didn't play a hell of a bunch of snaps. But I would say you got to wait till we don't know you. People behind the scenes knew that what I was capable of. Capable and actually doing is two different things, right? It's like, you know, potential, right? Potential is just potential. 
But this is yeah, different I'm potential. He has somebody's doing potential. Wait, 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 wait. If somebody, yeah. no, 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 no. If somebody's doing it every day against the best of the best in practice, that's 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 a, the next step beyond potential. Potential is okay. You did it in high school. You haven't been to college yet, and that's still to be seen. The next step to me is if somebody they hadn't necessarily done it, which I did do it in games when I got my snaps it went on third downs or filling in whenever that was. I did make plays. I did make an impact. But what I'm saying is if somebody's doing it every single day in practice against the best team in the country, I think that's a little bit past potential. So that's all I'm saying. No, I mean, that's there's evidence, some of these guys yeah. on this risk on this list, excuse me, that that are, are very good players. They just hadn't they hadn't played those snaps because they were sitting behind people last year. So to ask your question, then what who's gonna be the best player as boss is asked? I was Answer. trying to get to that, but what well, I was we saying was you, you take um, and now I'm taking too long, but you can talk a whole segment about Sean Elliott, who he is. No, no clue who that is here. Uh, people that know football know all about who Sean Elliott is. I said is. here. No, they don't. That's the South Carolina they do. He's from Camden, coach there. That being said, boss, I, I can't confidently just say which one, but Tim Keenan was playing some really good football last year. Tim Smith really started turning it on uh, later in the season for sure. Jaheim Otis was really good his freshman year, but was banged up last year. If he can return to how he was his freshman year, he could, he could have a great year. But I think Jim, James Smith is a talented guy who's a young guy, uh, and I think he'll end up having a solid season as well, especially in this new scheme. I think it might fit him a little bit better for his style of play. But that's my answer, boss. I wish I had more for you, but like my dad said, spring will give us a lot spring more. Spring yeah. yeah. All right, Stephen M. Smith on the flip side. Back in a moment. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. Kansas City police said today the shooting at the Chiefs parade from Wednesday appears to be the result of a dispute between several people that ended in gunfire and is not related to terrorism. Police Chief Stacey Graves added that two of the three suspects detained are juveniles. The person killed was identified as local radio DJ Lisa Lopez-Galvin. She was 43 years old. First round of the PGA's event at Riviera Country Club in Los Angeles is in progress. Tiger Woods is even through four. Currently a three-way tie for first at four under, including Jordan Spieth and Patrick Cantlay. French soccer star Kylian Mbappe has reportedly told Paris Saint-Germain he will leave the club at the end of the season. For you, call 800-8000 or visit meswins.com. I've got this. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Thursday edition, Darius Rucker Kellen's boy. Just getting ready to head over to Europe for a couple of weeks to uh, do some um, singing in Europe. I was just at the office today. Matter of fact, my new office is in the Hootie and the Blowfish building. And uh, so I'm pretty connected to all the things that's going on with Hootie and the Blowfish, Darius Rucker. But he's 
getting ready to head overseas for a couple of weeks, and they got the new Hooties tour that's going to be all summer long, starting in the May. I got to see if they're coming to Tuscaloosa or nearby, maybe Birmingham. And then right after that, then there's Rutgers Band headed over to South Africa. So they got a busy, busy. Just busy tell him to make sure he up. travels clean from now on. See that? <laughs> there you go. What? I'm just saying, man. I mean, it looks like he kind of got brushed under the rug, which is good. Song. He was. He sang a song with Tua, um, which is cool at the Super Bowl. Super Bowl celebration stuff. So, yeah. Just make sure he's uh he empties his pockets for you. That, by the way, was not even correct. That's something that stemmed from a a, a year ago. So anyway, I'm not getting into all of that. But anyway, a year ago, uh, we're not getting Stephen M. Smith right now. He was tied up. But we've got we've got George on the line. So let's go to George real quick. Okay, go ahead. We'll uh, take George from Macon. George, what's going on, man? How are you this afternoon? Oh, I'm good. Listen, I really enjoy your show. Uh, I like the interaction between you and your dad. It kind of, I'm much older than y'all, but it kind of reminds me of me and my dad back in the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to hold him in check. That's right. You got to. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, talking about the defense, um, you know, because the offenses have become so much more intricate, the defense has to. Yep. And I guess my question is this. If the offensive players can, because back in the day, all we ran was a, a power eye up the middle, and that was it. Blocking seems easy, one, two, three blocking. But now it's much different, much more intricate. How can the offensive players can uh, learn the offense, but the defensive players can't run all the variables of the defense? I think it's kind of the players, not so much what the defense is. I guess it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Right. And, and Corey, Sean Elliott, yes, didn't he play basketball? <laughs> oh, Arizona. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm familiar with that Sean Elliott as well, but we're talking about the Sean Elliott of Camden, South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> when you said that, when you said everybody knows Sean Elliott, well, I did, but he played basketball. Right. <laughs> but I mean, I guess, um, Christian, how come you could learn that defense, but the players now can't? I think it's because they don't want to. You know, they're going to do what they want to do. Just like, um, Corey, I love your um, introduction to the show about people's heart. Yes, sir. People now don't want that cornerstone to be um, their foundation. They just want to do what they want to do. Right. Yep. Well, George, that's a a good point. Um, And and, and to answer your question real quick, I'll let you go on just about how I could learn it. Well, number one, I had no choice. You know, I knew that me being undersized, right, I already was kind of at a disadvantage. So I had to use my ability to learn things and then kind of grasp the defense to my advantage. And, and I kind of took on the the identity of that, that, that smart, high IQ football player that knew different positions because that allowed me more versatility and allowed me more opportunities. Um, so I, I just knew, man. I mean, I, I had to study it. I had to rep it over and over. And I, I found out, you know, small things that would help me. And that was building my foundation, right? So because what happens is right. when you get in the program and you, you're presented this playbook and you're just seeing these long calls and these these intricate coverages and you're like, I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. It, it's overwhelming. 
But if you learn how to break it down, and, and that's why I think coaches, especially when you have schemes like this, are so important that they're good teachers because they have to teach you what you're doing, but but not just what you're doing it, but why you're doing it. And that's what helped me is when I really could learn the foundation of the defense and said, all right, this is where we're starting here. We're starting. This is how you break down the call. We're going to go over the personnel, the front, you know, the strong side, weak side, wherever we're coming from, what coverage we're running. And then I could kind of start expanding it as I went on. But that, that's what worked for me. And you're right. I think nowadays a lot of guys don't want to, to put in extra time. They just expect it to be like high school. They say, hell, I'm a good football player. Yeah. I should just be able to show up and you just tell me what to do and I can do it. But in college, you know what I mean? It's a lot different. And I think a lot of guys, they just, they don't care to sit there and watch extra film. They don't care to study, right? It's no different than school, right? <laughs> they just want to do the bare minimum and yeah, get on absolutely. with their day. So, I mean, yeah, you remember, you know, uh, Deion De- Sanders of Colorado, one thing he was doing because they could track, you know, the players now that they all get iPads, they're able to watch film at home, uh, with their iPads. And, and, um, he was not allowed some of his players to play the game because the lack of studying uh, via the, the, the iPads, right? Because, you know, knowing the defense for one, but knowing the offense is another thing because now if I know what the offense is trying to do, trying to attack me, I can, you know, I can improvise. I can, I can play faster. I understand what they're doing. You know what I mean? So it just helps you play the game more freely. Again, that word I use is liberty. And, um, and unfortunately, you're right that these kids, their heart is just want things easy. They don't, they don't want to work. I mean, now NIL, they got money. You know, it's just like all the demands that they have now just even come to your school. Uh, it's crazy. And I think, you know, the last three years at Alabama with this defense where we, we've seen tremendous defensive linemen uh, come through and, and now playing on Sundays to where guys are just like, man, it's been ho-hum. And um, and you say, why have we gone down in this particular area? And that's the area, to me, I think has suffered the most as a defensive lineman. And I'm not, I'm not going to say the kids don't want to do the homework, but, but I think overall, just talking about young people, that's a big part of it. You know, Corey, you're, you're, in my mind, you're absolutely right. If you have a good defensive line, that means that you're going to take tenths of seconds away from what the offense can do because they – he doesn't have to look around and make adjustments. You're forcing him to do what you want him to do instead of the other way around. And I, right. you know, I just, I, I, I agree with you there, but I also agree with you that young people don't want to learn. It's kind of like, you know, you know, when you're in school and you're taking a test, when you study really, really hard, you're raring to take that test and you're ready to face any question that comes up against you. But if you don't, you're going to shy away from it, and you're going to be sick that day. You know, it's just a mm-hmm. want-to type thing. You know, yeah. um, I said again, like this, I like when you. I said like this real go quick ahead. before you go. I said, um, and I talk about this when I preach sometimes. You know, it's just as you talk about, it, you alluded to this. It's like when you know, right? As in taking a test. Like, you, if you know and you study, you read your notes, you've taken your notes, you read the chapters, you've done all the things. So when you go in that classroom and that, that professor hands out the test, you have a confidence in taking that right. test, right? And so 
uh, in life is the same thing. When you know right from wrong and you study and spend yeah. time in the Word, you have a confidence of, you know, that's why the Bible said, you know, there's liberty, there's freedom, you know, in the Word. You have that. And it's the same thing on the field. If I know what's happening, if I know what, I'm using the word Satan, the enemy, in, in other words, trying to attack me, it's going to prepare me to win that particular battle. And, and, and so that's what kids have to understand. And a coach told me that one thing. He said, the more you know about the offense, he said, the, the better, the more free, the more fast you're going to be able to play. And he's 100% right. I agree. Uh, and this will be my last comment. If we dumb everything down, to match what someone's want to and what their mentality is, then we're we're hurting everybody. I mean, um, you can't always dumb something down to please one person, but it's hurting everybody else. And that's why you know somehow these coaches, and I know that we I know I heard y'all talk about coaches changing because of difficulty of dealing with the young people, but somehow we've got to figure out kind of reach these minds so not only do they can play a certain position in their defense, but they don't go into a crowd wanting to shoot everybody up. And that's my I'm last safe. comment. I wasn't trying to get into a yeah, well, preaching nah, situation, I like it. but that's how I feel. And again, I really love your show and and, and and Christian, keep your dad in check. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I, I will. I, I need to be a little nice, but I, I will for sure, <laughs> thank George. Thank you so much. Yeah, he, this, this, he runs the show, man. I'm just, I'm just old grumpy. That's what one person on Twitter goat calls me, grumpy <laughs> old man. All right, we got, we do have Stephen M. Smith now on the line. So if you're on hold, stay right there. We'll come back to your phone calls. But let's let's uh, talk all things Alabama uh, with Stephen. Well, let's let's take a quick time out. Years, your best bet for big wins is just minutes away at Birmingham Racecourse Casino, where you can be a winner, too. Off I-459, exit 31, Derby Parkway. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very nice afternoon, a sunny sky, the high today 67. Tonight, fair with a low at 46. We stay dry during the day tomorrow, partly sunny, but then a chance of some light rain tomorrow night. The high tomorrow at 68 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in in Tuscaloosa. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. driving away while I watch them ride with my dreams away to the summer sunset on a holy night on a long black road all the tears I fight. 16 driving away. Hey, welcome back. 116 on the dial right there in Tuscaloosa right off Skyland Boulevard. Corey Miller, Christian Miller, Noah giving us a little, I'm not going to name the artist because I'm going to ask the next guest that comes on every single Thursday on our show, Stephen M. Smith, TD, Alabama Magazine, in his own words. And uh, he has a lot to say, all things Alabama. First off, Stephen M., my question to you is this. Do you know who that was in the intro music? Ah, uh, she's got a velvet voice, but I do not know that. Velvet voice, you don't know? What if I told you her name starts with B? Okay, okay, okay. I know it can't be Beyonce. That ain't her. Huh? Okay. Huh? 
You sure about that? What's that sound that you use now? <laughs> That's Beyonce, bro. You sure about that? There it wow. Is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought you when I said Queen B, I didn't say Queen, but I said B. I mean, like, you know, but I probably would have been tripped up too, bro, because it's country. Listen to this. Yeah, that's country. I didn't even know she had a country album to Noah. He uh enlightened me today doing the show and it's been very, very awesome and I'm I'm gonna hit the uh Spotify and or YouTube music download after the show. Put that on my playlist. Number two, before so, I get so, into so, so, so you know what? So we, we know what? what? Know what, my man? You are serving your purpose, brother. You are serving <laughs> your purpose. That's he right. is doing that. Now, the other thing I'm asking before I ask you a real, real question. What in the world was Miss Amy doing? I mean, was she serving Wagyu meat and hot dogs and, 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 and sausage, bacon? <laughs> was it Wagyu meat? How do you go from a half a million to three point something million per Mr. Kelly that uh, did the article? I was reading that the budget, man. So when I guess when Caitlin the boy saw this budget, Bro, did they eat? They eat some I good food. I don't think it was Coach DeBoer. If I had to be honest, I think it might have been some other. But, but, but. Now, Stephen, what happened? Here's my thing. I, I, I got my email to him. I don't know if he read it. I don't even know if he looked at it. And when I go on social media today and I see what they name uh, Miss Allie's the new director of nutrition, I'm like, I'm like, okay, he brought over, you know, his person from Washington. That's cool. But, man, did, did, were you not trying to read my email on where's Miss Amy? <laughs> were you just not trying to read my email? Yeah, I, 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 it's tough, man. It's tough. But I will say this, though. I need to go make a, a nice relationship with the, with the new uh, woman yeah, in charge. You eat over there a lot, too, by the way. I mean, not a lot, but when I go work out and stuff, it was nice to be able just to walk upstairs and get a nice plate and stuff. Miss Amy was always gracious. So, hell, maybe I'm, I'm part of the reason to blame for that. But if that's the case, I need, I need to send a few dollars because they used to let us, you know, former guys go eat up there. We were in town working out and stuff. So maybe we contributed to that. And if that's the case, we apologize. We are always thankful for that. But I mean, look, this, to me, honestly, Look at inflation. Maybe inflation has something to do with that. I just, I really can't believe you just. But the spent, three, no, but the man, three million dollars was part for the course of some of the upper program. They were already spending that kind of money. Well, what I'm saying, some don't seem right. There's no way you spent that. I mean, that's literally like almost six times more than what you originally spent the year before. And I'm just saying, like, it's not like they changed anything. I've, I've been around, you know, the past several years when I was playing here. I've been around. The food is not, I mean, the food has been the food. She's been feeding us extremely well in large quantities, right, for a long time. So for that to just jump up like that, no, nah, I'm not, no, this I'm, not buying it. Uh, I'm not buying The situation it. where he born his own person, and that happens. I mean, they did this here in South Carolina. They brought their own guy. Yeah, but that ain't got nothing to do with the, the report, though, the, the spending. Know, that's I'm what I'm talking about. We love you, Miss Amy, if you're listening. We love you. And if Absolutely. I had the money, I would hire you as my personal nutrition nutritionist because I'm tired of salmon and chicken every single day. Uh, let's get right into it, Stephen. All right, we got to talk about the newest thing. Is the uh, we do have two coaches that they obviously have on the on the staff. That's real, right, uh, Mr. Roach and Mr. Gillespie, who had been here at Alabama. The easiest ones to get done. Will we see any more coming in the near future? As, as, as we're looking at right now, you, you got Roach and you got Gillespie, who have both been promoted up, which both of those two deserve it, and being the associate head coach and the assistant head coach. At this point. Uh, the, the only thing we're looking at now 
is just the finalization of the co-OC deal, which it looks like it's going to be Nick Sheridan and uh, Jamarcus Shepard being the co-OC. Uh, Nick Sheridan calling the plays, coaching quarterbacks, Jamarcus Shepard working with the wide receivers under the co-OC tag. So the only two positions you're looking at, tight ends coach, and then along with tight ends coach, offensive line coach. Those are the only two ones. So at O-line coach, you do have Brandon Jones over there at Missouri, who did a really good job with the Missouri offensive line this past season. So he's a name that's out there. You know, Matt Luke is a name to definitely consider. Looking at his SEC experience in Mississippi, at Georgia. I know he's now at Clemson on Davo Sweeney's staff, but that's a name to look at as well. The only two positions you have left, tight ends coach, an offensive line coach. Steven, when, when, when you, we had somebody ask this question, and I just want to pass it on to you because I figure you might have a better idea. They asked uh, who we thought would be the, the, the best defensive line in this upcoming season. You got any thoughts on that? Is there one name that jumps out to you if you had to pick one? If, if, you, if you look at this Alabama roster right here? Yeah, this roster right now. There's one guy that you would say he's going to have the best year in that defensive line group. Is, is there one guy you think of? I, I said it's kind of tough because – I don't feel like there's, like, one guy that's kind of above the others. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I can say, all right, this guy is, like, a first-round talent. Like, I feel like we have good depth. We have a, a group of uh, solid football players, good football players, but there's not just one guy that stands out as, like, an elite lineman on that defensive line right now. But is there one guy that you that you could just say label as, hey, I think he's going to have the best year? I think, the, I think the one guy I could label would be Damon Payne. I oh, think wow. Damon Payne is in for a big year. And he's been waiting wow. for this. He's been pushing for this. I think he's in for a big one. I like Jaheim Otis and all the transformation he's made. Uh, Tim King is very solid. Tim Smith is very solid. When you look at a guy that, in my opinion, could have a really big year, if Damon Payne uh, seizes this, he's the one, in my opinion, that could have a very monster year. Mm. Wow, that's that shocks me. That yeah, really I was about to say, that wasn't one of the names I was thinking of, but that's, yeah, that's but big. listen, I hope you're right. I hope you're right because I think if he does, you know, step up and become that guy, then that means the other guys gonna have to step up too, and then that that's how you build the depth. Right, I must ask you, Kate Stephen M. Smith, uh, who's our guest here, touchdown Alabama, in his own words, um, the coaching hire or upgrade or, you know, whatever you want to call them, the office coordinator, co-office coordinators. I'll be honest with you, I don't have a whole lot to measure, but what I measure is history, and the history says that, you know, Nick Sheridan got fired from his last post as OC in his second year. I know he's with Caleb DeBoer, Caleb DeBoer. I know people say it's, uh, well, you know, he's been trained, he's, he's going to be taught, but that don't mean that he's going to be a good one, right? Ryan Grubb leaving to me was a massive loss and the offensive line even more so. Um, but when you look at these guys filling in, does that mean one, a two part question real quick. Does that mean one that the board's going to have more say so over this offense? Maybe even calling the plays. And number two, do you think this is a long term fix or a quick fix because of spring practice in the corner? I think, I think to answer the first one, it does give DeBoer more access to, to run the plays and call them. Because if you look at it, Nick Sheridan does not have a ton of experience calling offense. 
He did it for one to two years in Indiana. Yes, he was a part of kind of building or starting the development of Michael Penix Jr. before he ultimately transferred to Washington, and both guys met, met up back together at Washington. But Nick Sheridan does not have a whole lot of just experience calling offense. He only did it for two years. So this is something where Kane and DeBoer kind of has a bit more of a say, maybe calling the scheme, running the scheme. Uh, it's just like during Nick Saban's time as the head coach, yes, you would bring in a defensive coordinator with experience, but the overarching thing was still Nick Saban's defense. So I feel like it's the same thing here when you look at, yes, Nick Sheridan has, he's dipped his toe in the water, so to speak, but he's not just this wealth of knowledge calling offense. So Kang and DeBoer still have his, his hands in that. And I think, to me, it, it's the fix to see where is this team in relation to spring practice, where is this team in relation to the spring ball once we get some practices in, once we get the A-Day game in, and see where is this program starting off the post-Nick Saban era. Yeah, so that's, that's a good point. Uh, do you have any concerns that – uh, with Coach DeBoer probably having a lot more involvement or influence in this offense, do you, do you have any concerns that uh, it could be a little too much on his plate? I know, I know there's, you know, multiple head coaches that, that call plays and kind of operate their offenses. I mean, whether it's Steve Sarkeesian, Josh Heupel, Tennessee, I mean, you name it, right? I mean, Ryan Day, Ohio State, I'm pretty sure he's pretty involved. Um, but do you feel like with this being Coach DeBoer's first year, you know, with all the, you know, the, uh, well, not to say the, the issues kind of with this transition, but it hasn't been the, the cleanest transition, right? Having his guy and the top offensive line coach just leave, not retaining, um, uh, T-Rob and having to go find a, a defensive coordinator. There's been a lot of moving pieces and now it looks like he's probably going to be more involved. Is, is that any reason of concern for you or you think he, he'll be fine handling all the duties? Cause you and I both know, I mean, being head coach at Alabama, I mean, this is like the mecca of college football, right? So even though a lot of other people kind of handle those responsibilities, this is this is quite the task. Do you think it's almost too much, or do you think he'll be able to handle all the, all those duties? I think he'll be able to handle it, Christian and Corey. My main concern is who does he get as the offensive line coach? That's my main concern. Because if you, if you look at DeBoer's offense, it's ran off timing, accuracy, precision. This is a precision offense. And the start of that precision, you've got to have the offensive linemen on their job. Like, whether it's pass protection, whether it's run block, and those guys have got to be consistently on their job because in a precision offense, if one thing is out of place, the whole thing is messed up. So the biggest thing for King and DeBoer is i got to find an offensive line coach that is a complete tactician and technician out here working with this offensive group. You look at uh, Doug Marone, it did not pan out the way Alabama wanted it to. If you look at uh, Eric Wolford, did not pan out the way Alabama wanted it to. If you look at the years past, when you had a Jeff Stoutman, when you had a Joe Pendry, when you had a Mario Cristobal, when you had a Kyle Flood, you had an offense that was flowing because the offensive line and the offensive line coach knew exactly what the job was, what the mission was. So I think the biggest thing with Kang and DeBoer, get the correct O-line coach in here to make sure your precision offense is ran effectively. Yeah, that's going to be big. I think uh, that the, the offensive line coach, when you think about, you know, this unit at Washington a year ago, just won a Joe Moore award. That's credibility there. You get one transfer 
from that particular team, which is the main car that Alabama needed was a center, uh, and then he's out. Uh, to me, this hire is going to be huge. Um, I, I was one, Stephen, that wasn't worried about the offense before this all happened. I was more worried about the defense. But I'm kind of worried about it as a whole right now with this Alabama football team. You know, at this point in time, as you head to the spring, how how hard it's going to be to, to get the right kind of coach to come to your program. So I think that's going to be more hard and more or more difficult, excuse me, than we think. That being said, overall, as you look at this team, and what kind of grade would you give this coach and this coaching staff up to this point. It hadn't been that long. They had to deal with the 30-day window. They had to deal with some guys leaving. They had to deal with trying to keep guys here that's, that's on the roster, get the recruits to say, hey, I'm coming like, you know, Ryan Williams. Uh, now coaches are gone. But you look at the overall job, would you say it's been satisfactory? I would, I, I would, say, I would say it's been satisfactory, but at the same time, uh, I still kind of put a small question mark by this because the uh, I want to see once spring practice opens up here in a few weeks, a couple of weeks, and we get our eyes on some practices, and we get some nuggets rolling and some information rolling, and we start seeing the rapport and the meshing of some of these guys in spring ball. How does that work? And then you got to also look at, you know, after spring practice, if we see more guys look and say, well, I don't fit into DeBoer's offense where I thought I would, and they hit the portal and you got to go address that by going to the portal and bringing guys out of there. I kind of want to see how that meshes together to the fold. So far, it's been some good things, absolutely. You were able to keep 21 of the 23 guys in the 2024 class that were brought in by Coach Saban. You were able to get some guys from the portal. That was good. You were able to get in some coaches. That was a strong point there. But it, to me, it's uh, do you get the right online coach? That's number one for me. And then number two, once we get into spring ball, how does that shape out? Those are my two big question marks here. Stephen, last before we let you go, I was reading an article in 24-7 Sports, and there was an event uh, out in Las Vegas. It was one of the Nike events. It's called Nike the Next One. It's kind of like the opening that I went to when I was in high school. Uh, but according to one of the recruiting analysts, uh, who was on site, he said there was not much chatter about Alabama in terms of these recruits and, and potential plans for visiting. So basically there just wasn't much buzz with Alabama and recruiting, uh, for these top ranked high school, uh, football prospects, uh, which he said was definitely very different than, than what they're used to. Um, so with that being said, obviously, you know, these kids are going to be patient. They're trying to see how things play out. Um, but I do know there's two sets of kids. There's some kids like getting things, you know, in order before their senior year. But then there's others who, you know, they, they let things kind of go about their senior year. Then they decide afterwards. How important do you feel like this first year is going to be for Coach DeBoer and this new staff? Because now that I read that article, it almost makes me kind of think that at first I was like, you know, this first year is going to be their first year. I mean, obviously, you know, it, it might not be perfect, but I'm still expecting them to do some good stuff. But I'm almost starting to think that this first year might be very critical for the state of the program because a lot of these recruits are actually going to be having their eyes on it because they want to see the direction that this program is going to go. And even though you and I both know one year is one year, you know, they could have a pretty good year this year, but then they could go be excellent, you know, for years after that. Do you feel the same, though, that this first year could be critical uh, for a lot of young guys that are looking at Alabama and trying to see the direction that is going in terms of recruiting? 
I think I think this first year is major in significance, Christian and Corey, because you go back to when uh, Nick Saban first got here in 2007. The expectations weren't high, right? You were coming behind Mike DeBose, Dennis Franchoni, Mike Price, who never coached a game, and Mike Shula. So there was not much high expectation at all when Coach Saban first got in here. It was, man, just uh, put the pieces back together, just build us back up. It was no expectation, just build us back up the very best way you can. Now, with after 17 years of stability with Nick Saban, and the program's gotten to a point where it can sell itself, now it's, uh, can Alabama really do it without Coach Saban? Can Alabama really be the Alabama we know it to be and that we've known it as without Coach Saban as the head man with the straw hat on? So all recruits are going to be watching this program, all eyes are going to be on this program because they want to know. We saw stability for almost two decades. Mm. Is stability still a thing? Even with it not being Nick Saban, is stability still a thing with Kang and DeBoer? That's the major significance of this first year. Wow. That's something I'm gonna leave the people that's calling. I wanna I wanna see what they got to say. And I've kinda of alluded to that question. Does the A still means the same now that Nick Saban is gone? I know we can talk about all the national titles, but let's just be real. For this the people that watch Alabama football now, college football mecca, the world that we know now, is it still the same? I'm 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 with you on that one. As always, Jam Up Job, Stephen M. Smith, the M. Here you go, Stephen, you better write this one down. The M stands for monolithic. Stephen oh, yeah. Monolithic Smith. Plug yourself, Monolithic. I will do that. I will do that. They can find they can find all the work here. That's at touchdownalabama.com. That'd be in touchdownalabama.com. We are keeping you up to the no here on your Crimson Tide from the Recruiting aspect to the whirlwind of news with this coaching staff and changes and adjustments being made, promotions being made, and also of the guys that are now in the NFL doing well. A big shout out to Minka Fitzpatrick, who won the Bart Star uh, Award uh, for this year. Did a phenomenal job with the Steelers. Uh, uh, kudos to Isaiah Bugs getting that Super Bowl ring apart the Chiefs and signing that NFL futures contract. So. TouchdownAlabama.com. We got you right there with all your Bama needs. There he is. By the way, for those that are listening, his middle name means legitimate. And he just gave you some hey, very legitimate information. Here we go, baby. This is how we roll. This is how we roll, bro. Man, we appreciate you. We love you. Have a great rest of your day, bro. Absolutely. Y'all do the same. Enjoy the Thursday. All right. Yes, same to you. There he goes. Stephen Monolithic Smith. As he does every Thursday. Hit a quick timeout. We got to make up a couple of breaks here. So we'll come back. I'll do a quick word. Hit another break so we can get back on schedule. And uh, we'll con- to continue to take your phone calls. 205-342-9904. When you see it. More importantly, when she sees it. Insurenosman.com. McFarland Boulevard between Edgar's and local roots. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Girls out in California, they don't understand. They don't like it when I hold the door when I say yes. Yes, me. And we're back here. Appreciate Stephen M. 
Smith. The M stands for monolithic. means he's legitimate. No doubt about it. Thank him for being on with us every single Thursday. We thank David for his stoicism. That's another word. I'm going to hit you with some big words today. Stoicism. Stoicism. Appreciate him for being all of that and more with us here on the Tide 100.9. Welcome in, David. Yes, uh, thank you for uh, taking my call. I appreciate it. I appreciate the show, and I really enjoy yes, it. Yes, sir. I, I wanted you. to make a comment, uh, Christian, that, uh, that that your your father pointed out, and I have to agree with him. I used to just cringe when I would see the Alabama players look to the sideline, hands up in the air, shoulders shrugged, and like, well, well, what do we do? What do we do? And the other to add to that, we we did we were shorthanded a couple years ago. And uh, defensive backs, we get transfer from LSU. Eli Ricks, he can't get on the field. And it was it was rumored that he didn't understand. He couldn't quite learn it. Yeah. But he's playing in the NFL. So uh, biggest, greatest props to the, one of the greatest coach of all time, Coach Saban. But one of the things that I think that may have impacted his style, and I'll, I'll hang up and let you guys comment, and that is the fact that when he first got to Alabama – weren't dealing with NIL, weren't dealing with transfers. He could just stockpile players and train and train and train. There weren't much of a risk for them going, jumping around. But uh, the environment that we're in today, you know, they don't get out there quick. They tend to uh, fly off. Yep. So I think that had an impact, maybe. And maybe it had an impact with the things that he did. And, of course, he, you, who can argue with him? He did what he did, and he put so many people in the NFL, and he – it was just amazing, but anyway, yep. those are my comments. I'll, I'll let you guys talk about it. But thank you for thank you for taking my comments. Anytime, Anytime. we thank you for listening. The great comments there. Totally agree with him, but saving. I think that's a major part of why he left at the time. Um, I, I think it just got too too out of control. But go ahead, Christian. I'll let you answer. Yeah, no, I think David's spot on in terms of you know when, when you have when you don't have to necessarily be concerned about guys leaving. And you have guys like me who you can bring in the program, right? You're going to develop them and, and let them learn the system, right? Learn what to do. And, and they, they use their time wisely while you sit behind, you know, some really good football players. And then when their, their time presents itself, you know, they're, they're playing to that potential. They're playing to that ability that, you know, they, you recruited them here for, right? Well, it's just different. And then David's got a great point with that. It's, it's different with the transfer portal guys. Uh, you don't have the luxury of just, just stockpiling guys and letting them, you know, sit there and develop like you once did, right? Now, now it's, it's virtually impossible. So David, you're spot on, um, with that. And, and, and I will say, I, I, my dad does have a point that it, it is, is very complex. And I do agree that sometimes it did, uh, you know, hinder getting some of the better guys on the field. Cause I used to tell people that all the time. They say, Oh, why isn't this guy playing? Why isn't this guy playing? Sometimes I know they'd be a five-star, but I'm just going to be honest with you. You can't always go off of the rankings, right? There's many times I saw guys that were ranked five stars and still do, and they're not what people necessarily think, at least not right now, and that's okay. But to the, on the other side is you do have a, an example, and Eli Ricks is actually a really good example. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That, right? was, that was a perfect example. That actually. is a perfect example because people were – I remember thinking about it. People were like, man, this guy needs to play. Why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? And – yeah, he's actually exactly right. That that was the reason he wasn't playing. I mean, Eli Ricks just was struggling kind of coming here and, and understanding how to play in this system. And, you know, I know he played at LSU. He's a solid player there. But here again, man, Coach Saban does not – he would not play you unless he could trust you. And if he can't trust you, 
you're not going to see the field. It's a fact. Like that, that was his whole thing. And now you're seeing, like David said, that Eli Ricks was an undrafted guy, but then he's playing for the Philadelphia Eagles and, 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 you know, pretty sure he was starting or has been starting and, and playing some good football. Yeah, he played, yeah. So, yeah, he yeah. plays a lot in the, right? In the NFL, it's an undrafted guy. So it, it goes to show, yeah, there are some situations where there's some guys that from a, um, you know, from an athletic standpoint, they should be on the field, but from a mentality standpoint, they just didn't understand it. That, that being yeah. said, that being said, I think there's middle ground. I do believe and I know that you can be too simple, right? But I also am, am aware enough and self-aware to know that our defense probably was a little, I hate even saying too complex because I, when it's done right, it's, it's great. But I will say that it, it, it did ask a lot out of some guys, right? I mean, I, there's, trust me, there's a lot of players. I can even tell you from last year's roster, or the year before, but they're, they're some really good football players. They just didn't really learn it, right? Um, with that being said, I think it, I would still take Coach Saban's system over any other system. Nine times out of ten. Ten times out of ten, right? <laughs> I'd always take that system, and I would just shift it and alter it a little bit to where it was easier for guys to grasp it. And I would make sure. Here's the thing, man. It, it, I think sometimes the coaches would sometimes kind of forget that they sit there and meet. That's what they do all day. That's their job as coaches. They sit in meetings and talk about the stuff. We don't. We know we're, we're in school. We got workouts. So we don't have the, we, we don't pick it up as fast as they do. With that being said, I would just alter that system because I, I, I'm just telling you there is such thing as being a little bit too simple. And I'm telling you, if you think for a second that a guy like Sark or a guy like Lane Kiffin doesn't see, see a, a simple defense that doesn't have too many adjustments or things like that, and they're not saying, shoot, all right. Well, you well, know, like I said, you don't have to believe me now, but I'm just... I'm, all I'm telling I'm you saying. is this. When you go to bunch, which means three receivers, as you said they do this a lot in the red zone, right? We just saw the Kansas City Chiefs kind of create this on the winning touchdown in overtime where they can set up what we call a, a pick play or whatever you want to call it. Um... You know, a simple check. Zone. Simple check. We did outside, that. Outside, you I take the wide, the wide, every inside. time. You say, and the guy's going to run right time. into you. You say it's this been every a time. Open football for many years, brother. And <laughs> we, one of the, and guess one what? of the, that, the that, biggest that things that coaches, hold on, part of our game, one yeah. of the biggest things, the mistakes that coaches make is their unwillingness to change. And say, you know what? This is what I want to do with cover seven. It's a match zone principle. But yet, the other teams know that, which is why they window dress you to death and move guys around in motion because they know they can create confusion. That's the whole thing. It's exactly what won the Kansas City Chiefs the Super Bowl. They created confusion. That's why Travis Kelsey looks at the jumbotron, wasn't even looking at the play, holding his hands up for touchdown because of the confusion. So when a coach is not willing to change, I don't care what kind of five-star athlete you got, but if he's unable to play fast, furious, with the speed and talent, he is no good. You when we come back, say, we got no, more no, calls. We got no. messages we got to get to. We got, no, we got to hit a break because we're way up in the past. When we come <laughs> oh, back, that's I'm going to say so when we come back because you think you ate right there. I'm, I'm going to explain why you just said a whole bunch of that what? didn't even – no, I'll say it when we get back. Don't worry about it. All right. So Ellis, and we got two or three calls to hold right there. We got that message for Noah to read, and we want to hear what you got to say as well. That's coming up on the flip of the Middle's Edge on a Thursday. Beyonce and Darius Rucker Thursday. Dad, gum, whoa. 
lumi.com, code 800 for an extra $5 off a Lumi starter pack. Love it or return it for free. That's L-U-M-E deodorant.com, code 800. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very nice afternoon, a sunny sky, the high today 67. Tonight fair with a low at 46. We stay dry during the day tomorrow, partly sunny, but then a chance of some light rain tomorrow night. The high tomorrow at 68 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 68 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Thank you real quick. This we're going to do final segment of the show, about six and a half minutes to go. So let's go to Rick App message. Know what we got. Uh, yeah, uh, Rick from Mackworth was just uh, wondering, uh, Christian and Corey, would either of you accept a position on the current Alabama staff? If so, what position would you want? Uh, for me, I want the general man. I want Morgan's job. Call me the GM. Let mm-hmm. me build this team and um, let me help with the roster. That's all I want. Then I would help as a part-time chaplain. Don't even, you can call it chaplain. You can call it spiritual advisor, whatever you want to call it to help these young men to become real men and, you know, a giant for Christ. That would be my job title. And you can give me about, you can give me about $150,000 a year in a, in a place of apartment for doing football. For a GM job? Oh, man, you understand. Oh, yeah, I ain't trying to get rich. I want, I'm about to get rich. Get but I'm saying, but the pay on that is at least 800 out of my ah, The Lord unblessed me. If he give me 150, I can do what I need to do. Yeah, that's cap. Uh, I would probably say GM probably, maybe player development. I'll be honest, but I, I would like to work with the pass rushers. I just, I don't I don't think I'd want to do like a full-time coaching job. I just, my best friend coaches, I mean, I just see the, the grueling hours, man, is more than when I was a player. Don't really have interest in that. But with that being said, real quick to my last point, the only thing you said right about that whole, first of all, I'm, I'm going to say this one last time because you don't listen. We had and have bunch checks, right? We're not idiots. We have all types of bunch checks, right? And two, that Super Bowl play, that last play, the 49ers, they were in zone. They were in zone in their little bunch check and they still messed it up. That's what I'm trying to explain well, to you. And whoever slide, keeps saying, slide, it's not a damn slide. They motioned me Cole Hartman in and it disrupted the eyes of the 49ers Perfect. and they got Confused. Play a perfect play call that they ran before and had a bunch of success on, right? Okay. So with that being said, you, you, you said all that to say nothing. How many times they checked the zone? The 49ers didn't get it right. They were in zone. We always check zone. I know the defense. You don't. We check zone yeah, every time. Zone. Just because one guy screwed it up doesn't time. mean we aren't doing that. If you don't think Coach Saban knows how to handle a bunch and he's won all those championships, you're a fool. I'm not saying you the same general. He never said one time they checked the because we don't just say generic check zone, which is tags, but there's bingo, traffic. We we play, we call it different terms. We right, change and check. Over, no, it's not. Over stimulation. Now, let's go to the phone. Let's get these yeah, next two calls. Go, all right. Who we got? Let's go let's to Ben right. Bossman. Let's go to Ben Bossman real quick. What's going on, Ben Bossman? Do we have you? Going once. Going twice. Let's go to Ellis. We'll go to Ellis. Ellis, welcome into the Miller's Edge. What's going on this afternoon? I just love it when y'all when y'all get into it like that. I know we sound like two 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 little children going back, but I have to. Look, I, have to I just I I can't let him sit here and just spread fake news, man. I can't. I can't. That ain't I fake can't, news. That you ain't got to it. good. It's good radio. How, how do you so know they didn't check? What do you What do you mean they didn't check? No, 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 no. Ellis, hold on. Ellis, hold do you remember no, 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 LSU two point conversion? Ellis, what happened to LSU two point conversion two years ago? Did Did Alabama cover the tight end in the flat? 
Mm-hmm. I don't think so. We lost a game member at LSU. But but you said that I'm not saying that they, right. that's a, they still could have busted. But you said okay. they didn't check. How do you Tennessee know they didn't game, check? Numerous You're times in Tennessee so. game, how many mental errors where they didn't make the right checks? Do you remember that, that one, Jealous? And let me ask you. Let me ask You're right. There, there were busts and there was a lot of confusion. And uh, look, you got to give credit to Josh Heupel and that job he did of scheming that up. When you when they're putting wide receivers with, with all lined up damn near on the sideline and, and bunch of, and tight little splits like that, mm. that's that's difficult. But let me I'm gonna tell you this right now. If you, if you think just playing true zone against those type of schemes like Tennessee runs with with Josh Heupel, good luck. Yep, I will. What you got, Elvis? We'll only take your time. We only got about two minutes, but go ahead, Elvis. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, I just want that two things. I want to uh, get y'all's opinion who y'all think is going to be the offensive line coach because we've mm. not – they ain't nobody talked about that. Ellis, I'll be honest with you, man. Uh, Ryan Fowler, he's he's better at, at tracking stuff down and, and reaching out to people and – Kind of, you know, putting his nose out there. Well, I'll I think, be honest. Well, I, I, I have no idea. Ryan probably Steven made made a name that I was like, hmm, Matt, Matt Luke Luke. at Clemson, who they just hired along with former D-line coach Chris Rumpf is there at Clemson as well right now. But Matt Luke, who's at Georgia, old Miss, remember him? Hey, he's a phenomenal coach. You think he I mean, would leave, they, though? I mean, I don't see it. Is there, I mean, there, for the right amount of cha-ching, he would. So he'd no be a guy that there. I would go after. And Mr. Stephen M. Smith, he's a very nice gentleman. I know him personally. Oh, yeah. do you know? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Next time you talk to him, ask him, does he know Ellis? And he'll say yes. I have to uh, ask him about that. Uh, he, he used to come by and hang out at a tailgate uh, that, that that I go to. So, yeah, because they food uh, there. You know, he going to find some food like Miss Amy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's food there, I guarantee you. Yes, but sir. This weekend is going to be a good weekend for Bama fans uh, if you're in town. You know, what do we got? We got basketball baseball, games. Basketball, basketball and baseball, softball. and softball. So, oh, yeah. you know what my next thing is, is you got to get dressed up for that, so you need to go by Alumni Hall. You know the drill, yes, brother. Got to go by Alumni Hall. You got to get some shorts, though. It's going to be pretty warm, so let them legs out, uh, Ellis. Let them legs out. Yes, I've got <laughs> to. Mine are too white right now. <laughs> get a little sun on them. Ellis, we appreciate it. We're going to get yeah. out of here, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, roll tide. Roll tide. Roll tide, Ellis. Roll we gotta get... tide. There it is. All right. Well, that'll do it on this Thursday edition of the Miller's Edge. Darius Rucker, Beyonce edition of the Miller's Edge. We appreciate everybody hey, tuning hey, no, in. You did your thing today, baby. Oh, yeah. You As did always, your thing, bro. killing it on the, on the DJ side of things. He just gave his uh, his final bow. So shout out to Noah, our producer. Again, you've been listening to the Miller's Edge right here on Tide 100.9, 4.30 a.m. WTBC. We are so grateful for everybody We're out there. calling this show in the zone. There you go. Change the name on us. We'll do that. But we I'll are presented by the Good Feet Store, America's art sport experts. Up next, Ryan Fowler, the game, right here on Tide 100.9, 12.30 a.m. WTBC.